X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. It's April 20th, 2020. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. Today on The Local, your quick six headlines, an update on COVID-19 testing from X-Ray reporter Kate Kay, and our interview with Ernest Warren Jr., candidate for Multnomah County Circuit Judge. If I had a bias or a prejudice that I couldn't overcome as a judge, I would recuse myself from it because I know myself. You know, and I don't have an ego to say, well, you know, I need to still try to preside over something that I have no business presiding over. Over here at X-Ray, it is the fun drive. We have been working harder than we ever have worked. We know that now is the most important time that we've ever had in order to engage in our mission. And we need you to be able to grow. If you want to support the local, if you want to support X-Ray, Go to the website, xray.fm slash donate, or just go to xray.fm and click the blue donate button or call 503-233-9729 and talk to a real person. It's 503-233-9729. First up, it is time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. I'm Jefferson Smith, and it is Monday, 420. Oregon businesses got $3.8 billion in stimulus loans. According to data posted Friday by the U.S. Small Business Administration, Oregon businesses have been approved for more than $3.8 billion in stimulus loans through the Paycheck Protection Program, that's PPP. According to the SBA, that's 18,700 loans for Oregon businesses. Washington businesses were approved for almost $7 billion in PPP loans. The data reflects the approvals through midday Thursday, the same day the program ran out of its funds. It's $349 billion all claimed. Multiple banks reported selling out of golden PPP tickets almost immediately after they became available. After seeing Shake Shack get $10 million bucks and Ruth's Chris get $20 million, after so many businesses got nothing, there are real questions now about the process and the magnitude of the program. And as of this recording, efforts at a second stimulus have stalled. Well, there is no special legislative session scheduled, perhaps over a worry that the Republicans in the Senate would flee to Idaho if they didn't get their way, the e-board will likely have a special remote hearing in the coming days. The 20-member emergency board is made up of the Senate president, the House speaker, the co-chairs of Ways and Means, plus eight members of the House and eight members of the Senate. The emergency board has about $50 billion to work with. They hope to offer aid to groups like renters, hospitals, domestic violence survivors, and some workers amid the coronavirus pandemic. House Speaker Tina Kotek said she hoped to leave around $20 million in the fund to address future hazards like wildfires. Your daily dose of data, Oregon health officials reporting 66 new coronavirus cases as of Sunday. That brings Oregon's total confirmed cases to 1,910 and a total of 74 related deaths. Oregon State is teaming up with the Benton County Health Department to conduct a door-to-door testing program. It's meant to ramp up public health information in Corvallis. It's known as Team-Based Rapid Assessment of Community-Level Coronavirus Epidemics, or TRACE COVID-19 for short. OSU is hoping the program will serve as a template for other schools to provide critical information to the public. Field staff will visit randomly selected Corvallis households, collecting samples from 960 people through a nasal swab kit. Field staff will wait outside, collect the sample eventually, and then test results will come back in 7 to 10 days. The study's first phase of testing was scheduled to be conducted on Sunday. Latest data from the Washington Health Department indicated the state had reported 11,802 diagnosed cases and 624 related deaths. And in other testing news, Washington health officials recalled about 12,000 COVID-19 test kits on Saturday after UW Medicine gave an alert of a quality control issue. Washington health officials believe there is no health risk to patients, beyond COVID-19, of course. 
and the quality issues observed in a small number of samples did not affect test results, according to UW Medicine. A couple election updates. We are 29 days away from the May 19th Oregon primary. Next Tuesday, April 28th, is the voter registration deadline. A second campaign finance complaint has been filed against Ted Wheeler's campaign for failing to disclose his top donors on campaign materials as required by a 2018 campaign finance law passed by 87 percent of Portland voters. Activist Ron Buell, founding editor of the Willamette Week newspaper, no longer affiliated with the newspaper, was the one to file the complaint. The city auditor is investigating the complaint. By the way, that's the reason that we have an elected city auditor rather than one that is appointed by the city council or the mayor? So the auditor can investigate the city council or the mayor. And look for that ruling as early as tomorrow, April 21st. Wheeler's campaign said they'll respond after the city releases their findings. The mayor previously took the position that limits to campaign contributions were not constitutionally allowed or required. Will the mayor's campaign take the same position about disclosure rules? Stay tuned. And KATU, a Sinclair station, will be hosting a mayoral candidate debate on Tuesday, April 21st, and they're getting some heat. They're taking questions from the community at their website, katu.com. You can go to the website and put in your questions. When you go to the website, there's something that has caused some critique of KATU. Here are the descriptions of the candidates. The male-identified candidates have their degrees and education backgrounds noted. Female-identified candidates? Nope. Ted Wheeler is currently Portland's mayor. He earned an undergraduate degree in economics from Stanford University, an MBA from Columbia University, and a master's in public policy from Harvard. That sounds pretty impressive. Sarah Anarone is a mother, civic leader, educator, and small business owner. Not clear if she graduated from college, high school, or any other darn thing. Ozzy Gonzalez has a bachelor's degree in environmental science from Humboldt State University and a master's in architecture from California State Polytechnic University. He's a first-generation American and is the first in his family to receive a formal education. Also sounds pretty impressive. Teresa Rayford is a fourth-generation Oregonian who is a mother, grandmother, community activist, and business owner. Again, Unclear if she had any education at all. As one commenter on the website Twitter.com said, If you wrote Ted like you wrote Sarah, it would read, Ted Wheeler is a father, politician, outdoorsman, and heir to a timber fortune. The Oregon Jobless Claim System's restart error returned, despite the state's insistence that the problem was fixed. Remember that error in the Oregon Jobless Claim System? Confounded scores of workers on Easter Sunday? Well, it returned on this Sunday morning. After several hours, the employment department said it had resolved the issue, which incorrectly told layoff workers they had to restart their benefit claims. The department blamed a record level of online claim processing paired with other weekend system maintenance for the problem. Laid-off workers, again, must file each week they're out of a job to continue receiving benefits. For two Sundays in a row, though, the system has rejected many of those weekly filings and incorrectly told claimants they had to start all over again. After the breakdown last week, the employment department promised the restart error wouldn't happen again. Well, that was last week. On Sunday, the department acknowledged the error happened again. This time, though, the department says the error has definitely been fixed and should not appear again. And by the way, friends, speaking for an organization that has had tech difficulties, our glass house throws few stones. But here's hoping that for the employment department, the third time is the charm. Pollen levels in Portland are at a 30-day high. Are you coughing? Are you sneezing? Are you feeling lousy? Well, don't freak out. It might not be what you fear it is. Allergy season is here in a big way. According to Pollen.com, the allergen tracking website, pollen counts in Portland are currently at the month high. Warm weather, windy conditions are filling the air with ash, alder, and birch pollinators. And sorry to say, 
it's going to get a little worse. Right now, it's roughly 9.9 parts per cubic meter. Those numbers look to peak today at 11 parts per cubic meter. Those numbers last week got to roughly 9.9 parts per cubic meter. Those numbers look to peak today at 11 parts per cubic meter. The bright side, the best way to avoid pollen is staying inside, which is what a lot of us were planning on doing anyway. From the Department of Gold Stars, car insurance returns. Stay-at-home orders mean people are driving less, and that drop has been none too subtle. The total number of miles traveled is down 50% countrywide. As a result of fewer cars on the road, several major insurers are offering rebates to their customers. Those include Allstate Farmers, Geico, Liberty Mutual, Progressive Nationwide, and State Farm. Remember Guy Fieri? He's teamed up with a Portland law firm to help restaurant workers who are out of work. You might know him from diners, drive-ins, and dives. You might just recognize the spiked platinum hair and the flame decaled Hawaiian shirt. He's working with Davis Wright Tremaine, starting the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. Fieri says they've raised $15 million. They're getting 40 requests a second on the website and in the process right now of issuing $60,500 grants. And shout out to some notable Oregonians. The University of Oregon showed up big in the WNBA draft of the weekend. The Ducks didn't have a chance to finish their season, but U of O Ducks Sabrina Inescu was chosen as the number one pick by the New York Liberty. Two other Ducks were chosen in the first round, Sadu Sabali going number two to Dallas and Ruthie Hebert going number eight to Chicago. A record-breaking year. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. I'm Jefferson Smith, and you're listening to The Local. Now Kate Kay brings us her research on local COVID-19 testing capacity in Oregon. Kate speaks with Dr. John Jew, Multnomah County EMS Medical Director. COVID-19 testing in Oregon was very limited about a month ago when Governor Kate Brown issued an executive order directing residents to stay home. The state lab could only run around 80 tests a day, according to Dr. John Zhu, Multnomah County's EMS medical director. Now, he says hospitals here in the county have far more testing capacity. Since that time, there has been a dramatic change in our testing to the point that all the local hospitals, uh, Kaiser, Providence, Legacy, and Ojishu, have actually obtained uh, internal testing, and we're able to test a significant portion of our population. We are able to test a literally in the thousands per day. The Food and Drug Administration recently approved COVID-19 tests that detect antibodies in people who have been infected. To speed up test approval, the FDA has loosened regulations. The agency says more than 100 companies have requested the documents necessary to get authorization for COVID-19 diagnostic products. But with those restrictions lifted in the rush to approve more tests, there are risks of flawed methods, faulty products, and false results. It's like the wild, wild west. It's a free-for-all. Everybody's jumping in. And from healthcare providers, that uh, which of these tests has got the best reliability and is the most uh, sensitive and accurate? Dr. Ju said he expects not only more test kits, but more testing resources locally in the next four to eight weeks. For X-Ray.fm, I'm Kate Kay. How did 420 get to be associated with marijuana? Some say 420 is code among police officers for marijuana smoking in progress. Some note that April 20th is Adolf Hitler's birthday. Some go as far to cite Bob Dylan's song, Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 35, because 12 multiplied by 35 equals 420. But according to Time Magazine and High Times Magazine, the most credible story traces 420 to Marin County. 
1971, five students at San Rafael High School would meet at 4.20 p.m. by the campus's statue of chemist Louis Pasteur. They chose that specific time because extracurricular activities had usually ended by then. The group became known as the Waldos because they met at the wall. And they would say 420 to each other as code for marijuana. Later, one of the Waldos became a roadie for the Grateful Dead. And one day in 1990, a group of deadheads in Oakland handed out flyers that invited people to smoke 420 on April 20th at 4.20 p.m. One of the flyers ended up with High Times Magazine, and they printed it. And now it's legal. Next up is our interview with Ernest Warren Jr., candidate for Multnomah County Circuit Court judge. Ernest discusses with Jefferson Smith, practicing people law, why experience matters, and how to choose a judge. Why don't we get straight to Ernest Warren Jr., candidate, Multnomah County Circuit Judge. Judge Warren is what you want to be called. Ernest, how you doing? I'm doing good. I, I'm fine with being called Ernest, too. All right. Well, I'm a human being first. All right, we'll go with Ernest. Who's your favorite Supreme Court justice ever? And you're allowed to say Justice Warren, you share a name, but it's not expected. You know it's going to be Thurgood Marshall, a man that fought for civil rights his entire life and finally uh, broke the, the color barrier and joined the Supreme Court. And what a wonderful jurist he was when he got there, trying to do what was right. So tell us about you. As I asked just about every candidate, who are you and why are you running? Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm uh, born and raised here in Portland, Oregon. I went to the Sandra Day O'Connor School of Law, Arizona State University. Um, and I've been practicing over 31 years. I've been practicing people law. I've been representing people in personal injury cases, criminal defense, civil rights. And I also do affordable housing. Um, and that's a story in itself. The reason I'm running is because I want to bring all of my years of experience, primarily in Monoma County, to the to the courthouse. Um, uh, I think that that type of experience, um, my community service, um, is the kind of thing that a judge needs uh, to be fair, and that's what it's really all about: is being fair, being just, and I want to do that. What's at stake in this election? Well, what's at stake in this election is that you have an opportunity to have someone that has a lot of experience on the bench. Uh, Many times, as you said in your introduction, uh, the governor will appoint someone. They may have a couple of years of experience, and that's happened in the last two years. Just a couple of years of experience. Have never tried a case. I mean, how can you preside over trying a jury trial, and I've had 100 trials, if you've never tried a case? Um, 95% of what a Monoma County Circuit Court judge does is criminal law. And you know that, Jeff, because you're, you, you've studied law at Harvard yourself. So if, if that's the case, and I've had, and I've had uh, I've won 50 criminal jury trials. So if you look at that equation, what kind of person do you want on the bench? Um, and then uh, in civil cases as well, you need someone that could be fair to both sides. You don't want anyone that has been 
uh, primarily uh, an insurance defense lawyer, uh, because they have one set of rules that they play by, and that's to protect the pot of money for the insurance companies. Um, so I think you want a people lawyer there, and I think I'm the best candidate and obviously the most experienced. Say more about the decision process of moving from being a practicing lawyer to say, you know what, I want to hang this up and I want to put on a different set of clothes. I don't want to. I don't want to be a player. I want to be a referee. Talk to us about. Did you always think? We talked to one candidate already. He said, you know, that was always uh, kind of what I wanted to do was be a judge. And I went to law school and was a lawyer because I always thought someday I wanted to be a judge. Same with you. You always wanted to be a judge, or at some point you make a change of mind. Well, actually, if we if we roll the clock back twenty five years. Uh, people, uh, judges on the Multnomah County bench were asking me, hey, why don't, why don't you become a judge? And I said, no, why don't you take my partner, Kenny Walker? Uh, he would be a great judge. I'm not ready to be a judge. I still have to represent people. I have to represent my community, the, you know, the city of Portland where I was born and raised. Uh, people in our community, when it comes to people, are underrepresented. Um, it's hard for them to, to look through. You're talking about looking at judicial candidates. It's hard to look through a yellow page book and try to find uh, a really a lawyer that will advocate for you and really care for you, be empathetic for you. And um, I was hope I, I've hoped that I brought that to my clients for my 31 years. Uh, Judge Kulin, I mean Governor Kulingowski appointed Ken Walker to the bench over almost a decade and a half ago and and still the pressure was on Ernie why don't you become a, a, a judge and I think people say that because they know me they know how I care for people and and they expect that one day I'd want to be a judge uh, the next the next person I told was my other partner Yolanda Watkins who's now a judge out in Clackamas County I said hey why don't you take her and she was taken and so I always felt that there would be a hole if if I become a judge uh, to representing people and interests in in Portland. And my daughter graduated from law school recently. Uh, I have a law. I have two associates uh, that have the same uh, fire for representing people in our community now. Now I feel comfortable that I can transition into another job. Um, and I think that I can be a referee, and I think I can be fair, and I want to try as hard as I possibly can. And so that's the reason why it's the right time for me now. Uh, not because I really wanted to be a judge my entire life, because um, if, if you know me, when I go to trial, and I've had a hundred of them, I do jury trials because I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about court trials. Um, but that's the the reason now I think it's a, a good opportunity to do it now because of my daughter and my two associates that are in my law firm. I think they can carry it on, the work that we do. And where'd you go to high school? Are you are you from here? I don't remember. Or, or did you go to did you grow up in Arizona? No, I I'm, I'm from Portland, Oregon, born and raised. Uh I was born at a place called Multnomah County Hospital. It's now called Oregon Health Sciences University. I started off at Jefferson High School, and then my dad uh, said, hey, man, we don't have to live here anymore, and he moved to northwest Portland 
at a place that's Washington County. So I lived in the city of Portland, Washington County. I graduated from a place called Sunset High School. So, but I started from the Democrats to Sunset. All right, all right, I understand. (laughs) Yes, I got no guy. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was. In fact, we had two Bonfilios. One Bonfilio taught at Jeff. The other Bonfilio taught at Sunset. So they made the transition easy for me. We had a we had a Bonfilio has to be related at Grant two years ahead of me, maybe just a year ahead. No, excuse me, just a year ahead of me at Grant. Wow, I, I wanna, that's cool. I, I want to ask about your decision making process. How do you think about bias? Is it something that you purge from your soul? Something that you wipe from your brain? Something you consider and try to balance biases? How do you think through bias? Well, everyone has a bias of some of some sort, and you have to make peace with your own bias. And you got to be brutally honest about it. Um, I think that most of the time, when you look at biases, so if I had if I had a bias or a prejudice that I couldn't overcome as a judge, I would recuse myself from it because I know myself, you know, and I don't have an ego to say, well, you know, I need to still try to preside over something that I have no business presiding over. Now, I've had the issue of bias come up in jury trials. Uh, particularly uh, racially heated biases that could occur because uh, the victim may be of a, of a different uh, ethnicity than than the defendant that I represented, and so and so again, uh, like I told you, I trust the jury. So I go to the jury and I say, hey, you know, we all have biases, and I can admit that I have my own biases. Um, but does anyone here have a bias because of the fact that the victim is one in the ethnicity and the defendant is one ethnicity? How do you feel about that? Do we have biases in Portland, Oregon today? And most and most people will say no, you know. And most juror and to, and to be brutally honest, most jurors are white. Um, in fact, all the jury trials that I had in Multnomah County, except for one civil case, all my jurors are white. So then I say, hey, well, what if we go to another courthouse in Northeast Portland where the the jurors are all black and you're my client? Do you think we would have bias? And you wouldn't believe it, Jeff. All the jurors raise their head. And I say, well, well, why is that? And one one juror says, well, because of discrimination and civil rights and and they think we don't like them and this and that. And and then I go I go on through the jurors and try to listen to all of them with similar type of responses. And then I say, in this case, would you please not let that be um, a bias as it would be if we were in Northeast Portland? And they all get it. The light comes on, and uh, they agree to be fair. And I trust them. When you had to vote on who a judge would be. Now, I get it when you were referring co-workers and colleagues and allies and friends to become judges. I have, I might, I have some sense of that. I might ask about that also. But when you were just voting on a judge, now you were in a different position, of course, because you'd know some of these people, either because you practiced near them or at least you'd been to some bar meeting with them. But when you were casting a ballot for a judge, how did you end up making that decision? Did you look at endorsements? Did you just listen to word on the street? Did you care primarily about what the Bar Association might have to say about him? What was your decision-making process as a voter for judges? Thanks for asking that question. And, and 
and a, a light bulb came on in my head about endorsements, and I hope we can come back to that. But anyway, um, you're right. Uh, most of the time, I knew the judges um, and had experience with the people that were running for judges. Ninety, I, almost 99% of all judges are are appointed by a governor because the judge is retiring the judge who's vacating the seat is retiring from that position uh and they have a term that's left for the other for the appointee to fill and then he gets to run uh as the incumbent so many times i've known most of the time i know the judges and i know their backgrounds and and their political affiliations um uh uh particularly me i research the judges because i want to know who i'm who i'm addressing as an advocate for my client i want to i want to know as much about them as possible i might even talk to some other attorneys that know the judge uh, i might talk to the judge's clerk if i if i have a acquaintance with them and i really do a deep dive to try to understand who this human being is because i i sometimes you have to craft your message uh, to resonate with that particular kind of person. So so I do a deeper dive. Um, uh, it's probably very infrequently that I would not know who the person is or, or have done a deeper dive into their background. So I, I know for the, the average voter that wouldn't be true, but that's what I do because, um, you know, this is my trade. How do you think most voters make a decision when they're voting well, for a judge, that's interesting. Let me put, you know, if if I was to become my mom for about a couple of minutes now, I think she would look at the voter pamphlet. She might look at what was said by the League of Women Voters. She reads the news, and then you know, based on what is said in in the marketplace of ideas she would probably make a decision. Who's she voting for in this race? <laughs> she moved out of state. Okay, she, not, she didn't want to be put in that position. But she didn't want to have to decide here. She'd be voting for a son. Okay. <laughs> we all have strengths and weaknesses. I've certainly got them. What are yours? What's a strength that really helps? That's probably an easy question. But to the extent you're able to be candid, what's something that you're bad at that actually impacts either your practice of law or that might impact you being a judge? But what I'm then more interested in, in is how you manage that weakness, right? Either how you hire around yourself or what you do to build the discipline to address it. Well, yeah. And so, you know, um, I'm, I come from uh, graduated high school in 1978 when uh, you know, we might have had one computer in the whole school district, and that was at school district headquarters. So, yes, I can I can manage pretty well computers, but we have very many different uh, programs, um, you know, and so I have staff to help me download uh, discovery from the cloud uh, to interpret encryptions, um, to uh, add new software to our system. Um, so, so technology-wise, I'm 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 catching up, and I think uh, technology uh, is a is a weakness. I mean, you know, I had I hand my uh, cell phone to my kids and tell and tell them to make it work for me. <laughs> so I 
think and technology moves very fast, and I think, um, but I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Otherwise, I think I, I have a I have a mastery of the law. I have a mastery of trial skills, and um, I'm people friendly and user friendly. So I I think those are my strengths. Ernest Warren, anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Well, um, I wanted to talk a few things. You asked about endorsements, and uh, well, you didn't ask about endorsements. But you wanted me to. That's fair. You wanted to plug some of your endorsements. You already said Rod Underhill. I saw that the couple of judges you mentioned that used to be uh, legal legal colleagues of yours have endorsed you. Uh, you also mentioned Ted Kulangoski, who you had advised on some judicial appointments. I noticed him on your list. Anybody else you wanted to plug? Well, we got we got Richard Baldwin, the former Supreme Court justice. We got Tom Ryan, uh, who's currently on the circuit court bench, uh, and and we can't and we can't forget that old community um, personality, Dave Dahl, uh, Dave's Killer Bread. I traded text with him literally yesterday. I traded text with him literally yesterday. I was looking at your website, it, it, unrelated to this, but I then looked at your website in preparation for the interview, and I said, hey, wait a minute, that's the person you have, his name and lights, his, that quote is your leading quote on your website. That's correct, that's correct. Oh, Dave, he's something else, isn't he? <laughs> Ernest Adams, candidate from Multnomah County, Circuit Judge, thank you so much for spending the time. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Thanks to Kate and Ernest, or Ernie, for joining The Local, and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in about 30 minutes. If you enjoy The Local, the best way to support it is become a member of X-Ray at 15 bucks a month or pick the level that works for you. You can get a cool new t-shirt or record tote. When you become a member, you can go to xray.fm slash donate or call that number 503-233-9729. If you have story ideas, send us an email at local at xray.fm and we can be together while we are apart. Talk to you tomorrow. In the meantime, stay home, stay connected, and thank you, democracy.